up, y'all? It's your girl, Catherine, Catnat, Kit Kat. Oh, snap, it's Cat42 on Instagram, but never Cathy. Okay. Welcome to First Generation Season 2. Let's go. We're back in the building with my co-host, Mr. CJ. What's happening, your favorite uncle, cousin, CJ? We're back at it. We live, and we got another person in the room. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) We're super excited to have Jenny here today. Jenny is somebody we have been wanting to be present in our conversation for a long time. And she's finally back for us to have this particular conversation that we're having today about what it means to be black in America as a first-generation American. So let's just start there. What does it mean to be black in America for y'all? Yeah, so I think being Dominican, I had to, like, sort of discover my blackness. Like, it was never, like, made apparent to me, or I think it was something I was trying to, like, it was trying to, it was, like, covered by my family and, like, the culture, or, you know, like, taken away, like, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe, like, hair, or, like, if you're catching too much sun, like, you know, little stuff like that, um, so I think, like, I had to, like, discover it, like, on my own and, like, take that journey and, like, that divergence, like, from my family and, like, whatever they believe in and, like, figure that out for myself, like, through conversation, uh, research, yeah. Hmm. That's different. Yeah. Very it's different. pretty tough. It's very tough because you don't know what you're doing. And it's, like, you can read about it, but, mm-hmm. like, I'm living it, right? And I think... I think growing up, like, in a diverse community and, like, my friend group being mostly, like, also Dominicans, but we were pretty diverse as well. Like, I never saw, like, I was never, like, yeah, like, I'm black, but then, like, things started happening. Mm -hmm. Climate started changing, and, like, I had to recognize, like, the way that I look, like, I definitely fit, like, like, I am the definition of, like, an Afro-Latina. Mm-hmm. But then, like, if you look at the people who are, like, at the cover of those movements, like, they don't look like me. So I'm like, but am I? You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just like, because, you know, I'm not no, like, really light-skinned shorty with, like, loose curls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, That's how are they Afro-Latinas? So I, you know, it, it was just confusing. Like, it was very confusing. But, but... I think that, like, the time that it really hit me, mm-hmm. like, was a really dark time when I remember I was walking, like, to Stopping Shop, um, minding my business, and I think I was doing something for my mom, and, like, these two men, like, uh, are, like, walking up behind me, and they're, like, saying, like, ain't nothing worse than a nigger, like, and they were, like, saying that, and they were, like, looking straight at me, and, like, there was no one around, and they just kept, like, repeating that to me, and, like, I froze, like, I didn't know what to do, and I had always been, like, such an advocate, so I felt like I failed, like, by not standing up for myself in that moment, Mm -hmm. but then I realized, like, how little I was trained for those moments Mm -hmm. when I went back home and I'm like crying to my mom and she's like ah you know it happens I'm like what so it was definitely like something like that was in high school so it was definitely something that like I think when I went into college like I was like full force about like discovering and I think like that's when it started like unraveling 
That makes sense. <clears throat> Damn, Jen. Yeah, okay. that was crazy. Were there people or like your other Dominican friends, were there similar experiences that you guys could have? Or were you, uh, were most of your Dominican skins, like Dominican friends fair skin? Yeah, they were mostly like fair skin. Also, it's just the, like the, the features too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like they would always like straighten their hair. Um, yeah, like we were all Dominican, but we look different, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was definitely like my features were like more apparent, you could say. Like, my Afro features were more apparent. So yeah. I think different. that's also something that people don't always recognize. Yeah. That people from wherever right. all have varying colors. Like not exactly. everybody is just one thing. And so sometimes I think when people think of Dominicans, they always thought of like fair skin with the yeah, loose curls, yeah, and yeah, yeah. they don't realize that there's more to it than that. Yeah. And I even think when I went to Brazil, the same thing happened to me. Like for a long time, when I saw Brazilians, they were like fair skin, loose curls. You know, they still had a body, but you know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like we knew that they had you know Afro. Brazilians, right, right, right. But there's a whole community there yeah. in Salvador that's very present of their Afro-Brazilian community, Afro-Brazilian culture, and they're very well intact about their African culture. Like mm-hmm. they know a lot about it, and right. they real like when you get off the plane there, you feel like you're back in Africa. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of my like hmm, moments that's of traveling. Good. Like okay. This is what people mean when they say black people look like a bunch of things. Yeah. This is it. But that's... No. Damn, Jen. It's real. Identity has been a crisis for me, like, for a long time. Like, figuring out my identity and, like, standing by it and, like, Mm. what it means to me. But it's people, right? It's people who, like, I'm like, oh, I'm Dominican. Oh, but are you, like, half? Yeah. Or, oh, but can you speak Spanish? Mm. Oh, but why do you listen to, like... African music, or uh, I don't. I've never heard you speak Spanish. Like, like, do you even speak it at home? Have you ever been to the island? Why do you look like this? And it's like, have you been there? Like, people there look like me. People there like actually look like me. Like my family, like my cousins. Like, it's one thing if they want to try to hide it by relaxing their hair or Mm -hmm. doing this or doing that, but like you look, people there look different. People there look. Like, they have those Afro features where they want to embrace them or not. Right. Like, there's people there, like, light as light can be and dark as dark can be. And, like, everything that's, yeah, yeah, everything in between. Like, that's what you have. So, uh, it's just, yeah. My question would be, was there anything that you had to overcome? Like, that if you are this, then you are not uh, Dominican or black. Um, the same way people were saying, like, oh, so you don't listen to Spanish music, you don't listen to, uh, you can't speak Spanish, oh, so you're not Dominican, so-and-so. Was there anything that, like, you thought of yourself, of that you carried that, per se? Yeah. The number, like, the number one, my hair. Like, mm-hmm. I relaxed my hair when I was, like, 11, like, like 11, mm-hmm. around there. And it was, like, a big deal, like, oh, the day you relax your hair... And, you know, I got into high school and, like, 
the natural movement was like a thing, not really like a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't start really picking up. And I know because when you would look up like natural hairstyles on YouTube, like I remember I like my holy grail was just one, like one video, like and I would rewatch that like all the time. That was all that was there. So like that wasn't even that long ago. So think about how things have changed. Like yeah. So and and that's just and I tried like so many times to stop relaxing my hair and the the extent like the measures that my family would go through like my my mom would talk to me and be like your hair's gonna fall out like if you don't like relax it and then she had my sister talk to me and then I would go to the salons like to get it straight and she'd have the salon lady talk to me and like try to convince me and tell me that I'm gonna go bald and like it took like over a year just to like be like stop talking to me yeah. yeah like stop like just i'll do it on my own right like i'll just do it on my own and i just had my hair looking like in a bun like whatever like i i was going by that one youtube video and i just mm-hmm didn't like step foot in a salon again and I just like my mom like I was just like leave me alone like like I had to like actually just be like like that's enough and I started transitioning like and I started transitioning and I ended up writing like my college essay like Mm -hmm. about about my hair and it sounds crazy but till this day it's one of my proudest like written works like Please. because it's like the evolution of my hair but also like the evolution of me and like mm. like what it meant like going against my family and like how how that changed like the game like and yeah. just to fast forward now like my sister's natural and like everybody and now there's a mm-hmm. movement and stuff and now my mom's like if I straighten my hair she's like are you gonna be curly again so it's just you know what I'm saying it's like Josephine enough you know like you can't tell me anything like you can't tell me anything so Miss Josephine yeah she's 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 a real one but she she tried it she tried it drives you nuts she drives me nuts but she I love her but she cannot I told her I said you don't have any hair rights like I took them from her like you can't tell me what to do with my hair anymore once um, you start paying for it, yeah, <laughs> it's up to you. Like, exactly. So I think my like to answer your question, like I yeah, think it, it would be hair. my hair, like yeah. for sure. That's me. What about you, Catherine? For me, yeah, my overcoming moment, or what was something, uh, an ideal that you had to overcome to understand that this is not associated with blackness, just like her hair wasn't associated with her blackness. I don't know if I had a moment like that, to be honest. Word. Like, this isn't associated with blackness. Because I think at a very early age, I was very into blackness, right? Like, I think my teachers probably thought I was just, like, this pro-black student. Because yeah. every project I have, I'd be like, I want to do Stevie Wonder. I want to do Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. Can I do Queen Latifah? And they're looking at me like, we just talked about Helen Keller. <laughs> I'm going to need you to... And I would just find... And I do a lot of research, so I would just look up black people. Yeah. Like, as much as we had a diverse group of people in our yeah. school, I don't think they educated us enough about so people black outside school. of... Yeah. yeah. They didn't educate us enough about, like, black history. Like, even during Black History Month, I think that was my favorite month to watch on TV, right? Mm-hmm. I loved watching the Proud Family episodes. I loved watching Sister Sister episodes <laughs> because that was my reminder of 
the fact that there was more than what they were telling me. No doubt. And I would just start to do research outside of that. So when it came to what was associated to blackness, because I spent so much time looking into it, I don't think I had like an overcoming moment. I think most of my moments were just like a, oh yeah, this makes sense. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I understand it. Did you have an overcoming moment? Because your experience Uh, was a little different growing up like for school and stuff. So I live in an area that's predominantly like Haitians and black people, mm-hmm. right? But I went to ele- kindergarten through elementary school on the opposite side of town, which is closer to a more affluent city. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of more homeowners on that side of town. So there's more taxes to go into the school um, and the people who can afford homes are white people, right? So I went to a predominantly white school, but mm-hmm. it was a really good school at that time um, in the city. Um, yeah, so my experience was funny because I went to church with all black people. My family's all black. I live in an area that's all black. So my world outside of school is black, mm-hmm. right? So I thought until like eighth grade freshman year, like freshman year, <laughs> um, that white people were the minority in the United States. Hmm. So, like, that's how I was operating. I was like, ah, I must suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why they're always together, because they're just, like, so few of you guys. Like, yes. oh, cool. Like, that makes sense That's to me. wild. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I was that wrong in the sense of black pe- white people are the minority in the United States, but white people are the, the minority in the world. Mm-hmm. So, on a global scale, like, that's how I'm operating, which makes sense. Um, but I just didn't have... Uh, a connection to my immediate environment uh, in regards to my country. Um, so that was that was a thing. Yeah. Um, is navigating what I see, what all the other black kids are doing because they're around each other a lot mm-hmm. and what all the white kids are doing that are around each other a lot. It was like weird because uh, I was always in that, that, that space. Um, yeah, I never felt... Like, people were putting me out of place. Yeah. I just understood, like, oh, I don't see myself around me. Like, that was my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I never saw myself like, oh, like, okay, cool, like, that's me. I saw people with similar ideals as me, um, and that's what I'm more so connected to. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So the Dominican Republic and Haiti share the same island, right? Yeah. I think Jenny had explained her side of the story of just like what it was for you growing up right, right what was it like for you growing up in a haitian household but also being black in america right because there's a different association between being black american in america yeah. and being black haitian yeah yeah so the cultural aspect of that was we went to school on that side of town because of my culture, right? right? Education being at its for, uh, at the being the utmost of importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother figured out how she could get us into the best school in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like my first uh, relation with it. Um, there are there are jokes that are made that come from real things, right? Um, where 
I understood the tension between Haitians and Dominicans before I did research because of what I'm hearing my parents say, um, what I'm uh, hearing in the radio, um, and just seeing how people operate. It's like, oh, that's weird. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're like Spanish, but like, like, my whole thing is like we're treated and we're seen as the same in this place. So like, what was going on with that? That was weird for me, and understanding the history behind it after made a lot of sense in regards of uh, the dispute between Haiti and DR, right? Um, boom. Uh, the most visceral relation with that was my best friend said that if his father was around, he probably wouldn't be able to be friends with me because his father's Dominican. Mm -hmm. um, so there was like stuff like that. I was like, oh, like, oh, this is like real. Like, yeah, it's a lot not real in the sense of like it's tangible, it's a lot more prevalent um, than I had thought. That's real, yeah. I mean, I don't know, like, my thoughts on that is like super just like nebulous. Like, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how to like pinpoint into like a, a statement, like, ah, this is what it was. Yeah. yeah, what about you? One thing that I have always been very mindful of is the difference between being a black American and being a first-generation black person. Heard you. And so that first started with, one, my mom, right? She had said once, I think somebody got, somebody got pulled over or shot by the police officers way back when, and she had been like, ah, those poor black people. And I looked at her and I said, you're black too. And she said, no. <laughs> I'm African. And I said, no, you're black. <laughs> and we had a back and forth. And I said, mom, if they pull you over and you don't open your mouth, they just see a black person. And that had her like, hmm. And I was like, uh-huh, <laughs> I got you. And so that, that was like my, my, my moment of understanding I am different. Yeah. I'm different from a black American because... My mom won. I know my roots through my mom and my dad, but I also have to understand that my history is completely different. Yeah. And being here in America, I think one of my my big things was separating that, but also knowing it's the same thing, right? Being taught slavery in school was very traumatic. Mm. It was one of those things where I was like, why why are you guys teaching us this? Like, why are we seeing like black people being hit? Like those mm. people look like me, and then having black Americans be like, This isn't your history. And it's like, okay, it's not, but like it's just as traumatic for me to see people that look like me being beaten the way they are and yeah. having that whole thing happen, but also understanding that that is black American history. Yeah. Right? So trying to remove yourself from it, but not remove yourself entirely from it because it still affects you. Um, and I think that was, that was me growing up and having to learn how to understand the separate but equal, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the separate but like, I'm separating myself, but like I'm here with you yeah. because I feel separate it. Separate with empathy. Separate with empathy. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. It was like, oh, cool. Like, my great great grandparents didn't experience this. But in tandem, here is my history where I could empathize with you, right? Mm -hmm. um, slave share, boop, boop, boop. Like, all right, it's cool. Shit was going down 
Yep. Slave trade, whoop, whoop, whoop. Stuff was going down in um, Haiti, mm-hmm. similar, or way earlier, um, uh, in regards of uh, becoming the first black democratic republic. Um, yeah. Boom, 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 fast forward, learning about um, slavery in school was one of those things like it made me have the emotional language before I had the facts about Haitian history. Because I learned about mm-hmm. um, what was going on in the United States before I learned about what was going on in Haiti. Oh, wow. Um, so it was like that was like the thing with me where it's like, cool, um, we relate a lot in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we don't like right. and then we don't uh, and I didn't I was in my kumbaya phase for mad long where it's like ah uh, we're all black like it's lit <laughs> like we yeah like it, your history my history like our history like cool boop 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 um, and then I forget where when where like multiple times like I'd meet somebody be like oh I'm Haitian like what are you it's like oh I'm black yeah but I'm Haitian what are you like, yeah <laughs> Um, and then I'd be tough. looked at crazy, and mm-hmm. then I'm looking at them like, bro, ha, you, nigga, you don't even know where, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't even, my whole thing was like, you didn't have the agency to ask where you're from. Like, that's where mm-hmm. I was coming from. Um, rather than understanding that I was like, that's like a thing. Like, yeah. uh, North Carolinian is a thing. Like, my family's from here and been here. That, like, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think um, it's tough to understand that as a kid, though. I think it it's tough to understand that as a kid without having your parents explain that to you. Yeah. Because one, you come off very ignorant to those people, and it kind of okay. it does hurt people's feelings when you're like, "What?" Yeah, like you're from, bro, what you talking? About? You're from Alabama. I'm from Massachusetts, but I'm from you know what I mean. <laughs> you sound like a complete jerk. But we, I, I personally had those moments a lot, like mm-hmm. a lot, and it took a moment for me to have to sit back and be like, "Hmm." This is what they're talking about. And I had somebody one time, I think, shout out to her parents. She said, my family's from here because they had been involved in slavery. And we don't know where our history is. And I said, who are your parents? They raised you right. You know what I mean? And that was a child in one of the the programs I was working in. But it had me realize that there aren't enough young people being like, hey, you're from here, but not everybody understands that here. So when you ask people questions, be very mindful when you're doing things like that, which is something I think would be hard for our parents to say to us. No (laughs) doubt, because they're learning it just as us. Exactly. They have a huge learning curve uh, coming to here. My parents came when they were 18 and like 24, 23, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so they're young as hell. Yeah. Like all they know is this completely different culture, this completely different country, um, and it's one of those things that I think you said this to me, Cat. Where it's like, oh, like black isn't the the, the unifying thing, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, I'm only privy to like, bro. If you black, we home like off rip but that's not where they're coming from and I think that's similarly where there was the us and them with certain black kids like I could tell his parents are from here so it's like Mm -hmm. it's a little uh, there's there's underlying discourse which I felt Mm -hmm. from my parents not that I internalized but it was like oh why don't you like bro like that's the homie like it was yeah Um, how do you guys check yourselves and other people and holding them accountable with things like that. 
Haitian. You know, to go back to that, like, <laughs> to go back to that, like, whole Haiti and the Dominican Republic dispute, like, I think, I think I became, like, super more aware of it, uh, I think I became super more aware of it like when I was in college. And then the thing about learning is you go back home and now you want to challenge your family. Mm. And then that's when things get things get a little feisty and things get a little that's when you start to see like, oh, this is what my family thinks. Like this is where yeah. they stand mm-hmm. on this. Like, oh shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And that was scary, like, because I would do it, and I'd have these conversations with, like, my dad uh, and my sister, and, you know, and sometimes it was, like, like, that's what you think, like, their responses, or, like, why do you think that, like, Haitian people should just be kicked out from the Dominican Republic, and it's just, like, like, all these excuses Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, what their religions are and what they do, and I'm, like, but don't they say the same thing about, like, immigrants here in America, and I'm, like, dude, you're forgetting that we're immigrants here, Mm -hmm. so is it okay for us to also be, like, kicked out, like, Mm -hmm. what's up, like, and it's just, like, that question that stumps me, like, Jennifer, it's not the same and it's like, but it is. Yeah. It is. Did we come here for laughs and giggles? Like, if we were way, like, if we were off, like, if we were well off in the Dominican Republic, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Like, we wouldn't be here. So, so it's like, those are the same struggles that people are having. And, like, who are, like, it's race. Like, it's the color. That's what I was trying to make her see. Like, because when people from Venezuela come mm-hmm. to the Dominican Republic or people from, like, like there's a lot of Asians there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, no one says anything. Right. No one says anything. But, like, as soon as, like, it's, like, our the neighboring country, mm-hmm. like, there's an issue where, like, it's, like, black people. Yeah. And then you try to tell them, like, you know, like, there were slaves, like, in the Dominican Republic. It's like, yeah, but, you know, it's mixed with, like, the European and, and like, um... It's called, uh, some la raza. Oh, me- oh mejorando la raza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They say that, like, in terms of, like, like, for me, like, if I was to marry, like, or have babies with, like, a white man, like, that would be, like, mejorando la raza, like bettering the race yeah which is sick right like when it's said to you like as a child you don't think about it but like the idea behind it is pretty sick um yeah that goes way back to like trujillo and his regime yeah when he just wanted to get rid of everybody who just wasn't light huh um (laughs) sorry passion Um, yeah, it definitely is engraved in the history, and I think, like, people just, like, they don't recognize it. They're so stuck in, like, that enigma of, like, well, you know, like, we're a whole mixture of things, and we're, like, predominantly, like, mm-hmm. European and, like, um, like, Indian. It's just, like, well, actually, like, all the natives were, like, killed, like, murdered, like, so the chances of you even having that in you are here, like, <laughs> slim. <laughs> Like slim, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's crazy. I can feel that. I mean, my thing. Uh, I'm. I just ask why most of the time. Mm-hmm. What people say. Uh, when it's when I have to challenge people's ideals. Mm. Um, 
Oh, that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, because it's like, one, I might, they may have some information that I don't know. Right? Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. Coming into the conversation humbly, right? Even if you feel like you understand uh, the situation better, uh, they may give you some information that you didn't know. Not that it changes your view, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just like, cool, like I had this opportunity to gain this information from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're able to, because you gave them a, a platform to speak, um, you are now in a better place to, to voice your thoughts rather than, hey, I'm just gonna lecture you about how you're wrong. Um, that's true. Yeah. I think that's a simpler version of what I do. I just ask <laughs> mad questions. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that just helped me. <laughs> because <laughs> Entirely. Because I will, I will pick everything they say and ask mad questions mm-hmm. about it, right? Um, there's a situation where I had somebody tell me, like, oh, I, would, I want to marry a black person, but not a black American. Because they don't have a history. They don't have a culture. And I was like, oftentimes we, we, don't, we one, don't give them enough credit for the yeah. history and culture that they've created here. And, two, I think people are very dismissive of it. Yeah. And it's like sometimes we as first-generation Americans sometimes unknowingly don't realize our privilege as first-generation Americans. For real. Like, ever. Like, we go through our day and we do things, but we just, we don't think about, oh, me saying this could impact them negatively. Yeah. And it could like, come off disrespectfully. Yeah. yeah. It's just coming off disrespectfully. And I think it didn't, it didn't hit me until I went to college. Mm. Like, how disrespectful you can get. Because we, we talked about this. I think it was, we knew, like, two black people here. Like, two black Americans here in our city. Yeah. Yeah, we sat back and we were like, yeah. this is crazy. Because <laughs> everybody was literally like black. Like yeah. There's a lot of black people around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people of color around us. Mm-hmm. But there was, very, there was only two. There was only two yeah, black Americans. black Americans. Bro. That's wild. And they. And I, just now I had to like really think about it again. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, cool, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't. They never spoke as much about their history. They never spoke as much about their culture. Mm. Um, Some of them were very associated with Haitian culture. Mm. And they would crack jokes with, you know, some of the Haitians in the room. They would speak Creole. And it was was cool to see them integrated like that. But in those moments, I felt like it was necessary and maybe selfishly necessary for them to educate people in the moment. Like, hey, as much as I love your culture and I appreciate your culture, this is mine. And... Because they didn't do that, <laughs> going into college, I had people doing that to me. Yeah. Like, I got my black card revoked in college. Mm. Yeah, I know. Want to know why? I didn't eat any collard greens before. Oh, I've never yeah, had yeah, yeah, collard yeah. greens. I didn't have... What was the other thing? It was, it was something Some else. Pie? Pe- no. Sweet potato? Sweet potato pie. Mm. I didn't have sweet potato pie, and I've never had collard greens. And they were like, yup. That's, we're not doing that. You're going to have this taken away until you have some collard greens. And I laughed about it, but my friends were so real because they decided to have a cookout. There we go. And they said, you don't know about our culture, so we're going to bring our culture to you. They had a whole cookout with all like southern food dishes and really made it like a, we're going to give you back your black card now, okay? <laughs> You've tried everything. We appreciate you. And, it, and for me... I think that was one of my teachable moments. Word. It was like, a, wow, 
you guys care about your culture. You guys care about your history. And more importantly, you care about me knowing about mm. it. You care about me having the knowledge and checking me in that moment of, hey, you keep talking about this black stuff, but you ain't really about it. Mm. Like, put your money where your mouth is. And I think that, that for me is, is important. That's dope. Have y'all had black Americans ever do something for like that know? to you? Not to that extent. I have my homeboy. Um, he made me uh, what's his face cornbread. I got to like watch him make me cornbread. And oh I was wow! Uh, he told me to put syrup on it and then wait till the syrup sits in and then eat it. I changed the game. Um, Whoa! Yeah, That's I mean, different. more importantly, like this is the food or whatever the case may be. It was me and him sitting down and talking about like how we grew up, right? He grew up, there was a lot of um, foundational black Americans around yeah. him. So it's like the, 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 the converse of what I was experiencing. Um, so yeah, it was just like, oh, like, that's very interesting how... So for me, I don't feel an attachment to this land. Hmm. So it's like, at the end of the day... I know I'm going to go to Haiti and own land over there or do something for my family in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the, like, I understand I'm here to help Haiti. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it is one of those things where hearing him speak and having those conversations, like, oh, wow, like, he's here. Like, he's rooted here. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no, like, oh, I'm about to go out and do this. Nah, it's like, I'm about to go to someplace else Mm -hmm. to come back and help here. Uh, so seeing it like that was um, was definitely one of those things where it was like, oh, word. Yeah, like, um, I get what you mean. I think it's interesting, your point. I don't disagree with you about being here but doing work in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I think I have a different view. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's more both, right? I I know that there are things that I want to do in my mom's home country, my dad's home country. I, there, there's work that I want to do there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just as much, I've done work here. Yeah. And there are things that I definitely want to put more of my effort into. Not more of my effort into, like, I want to do more of this than that. But more of my effort into, like, I'm not going to not do some things here or build foundations here because of what I have rooted in me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to try to I'm do things sure. back in Uganda, but I'm also doing things here in America just yeah. as much. Like, I'm putting the same amount of effort. And because I've started here, I'm going to finish a lot of the work that I started here. Yeah. And I haven't started anything over there because I don't have any money. Yeah. I don't have any resources <laughs> over there. And, you know, that, that stuff is soon to come. But ultimately, I understand that I'm Ugandan-American, and I try to make sure that I implement that identity equally. Yeah. So, Jen, what was your experience like? Just to sort of feed off what you guys said, one, I don't feel like that same attachment to like going back to Dominican Republic and like building there and creating there. And I think that that's just because of like the years that I've been like raised here and like even though I still have like my culture and like, you know, eat the food, speak the language, all that jazz. 
it's still like, but I'm here. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of what I've done and what I'm doing is, like, here still. The people that I hear the most talking about, like, going back are, like, my parents. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, my siblings that are older. And they were, like, raised there and came here when they were, like, 17, 19. So, like, fundamental, fundamental years yeah. were, like, there. Uh, and it's not, like, till now, I guess, like, my age where I would be, like, mm, maybe I could go back there for, like, like to give back in some way. Like, yeah business purposes but uh yeah until you mentioned that like I didn't notice like that lack of attachment to like go back and like actually build and like create there because there is need mm-hmm. um and and I find myself like wanting to go maybe to other countries and like give mm-hmm. and and that's like crazy to to sort of realize and then to also talk about like exposure to like um uh, like black american history here like in america i think like that came when i took a trip with my school mm-hmm. it's called civil rights like mini trip for like three weeks and we were just traveling like all throughout the south like we started off in south carolina um right at the docks like mm-hmm. went to like a like a typical like slave like like a house that would have slaves, like when you would see the fields, mm-hmm. um, and then we went like all the way to um, went to um, the place. I'm gonna say them like out of order, but you know Georgia, Mississippi, and then you know uh, Tennessee, and basically, like that's when I tried like real fried chicken and I remember going to like uh this restaurant and it looks all worn down and torn from the outside but like you go in and I felt like I felt like like I was like put in a time machine like Mm. there were old men there and like these little suits and like they just came back from church and like the women that were working there were all like they were like hey sugar like what do you want (laughs) to say what do you want to do and like they didn't care like the plates were like paper plates and stuff like that but the food like Mm. you know they put their feet and their toes in there you know what I'm saying like it was it was like it was like love it was homey um and like that's the feel that you get there, you know the 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 culture there is different. Like yeah. it was still America, but it was just it was like oh like like this is the South, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and to experience it like in so many different states, like it just became like more and more apparent. Like there's more like uh, that um, uh, what's that called the, when you're nice. Like, hospitality. Yeah, like Southern <laughs> hospitality like is, is there for sure. But there's also things that like that I felt uncomfortable with. Like why am I going to like a to like one of these like slave houses uh and like I have a, a guide who's white and she's dressed as like what would be like a slave master. Uh, like a wife. slave master's wife mm-hmm. and and the group before me, she's, like, talking to them about the curtains and, and how, like, valuable the curtains are. But then when it's, like, our group, who's, mm-hmm. like, predominantly, like, a black group, like, she wants to be, like, oh, like, slaves were the artisans of, mm-hmm. of like, where were we? I think we were, like, in South Carolina. Yeah, slaves were the artisans of South Carolina. Like, don't switch up. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I dare you to talk about your damn curtains here. Like, what? Like, nobody... 
you know what I'm saying? Like they change their content like based on the crowd that yeah. they have. That's crazy. And every guy at every like slave house was white. <laughs> and then you get to thinking like, well, why would someone like why would a black person want to work there? Yeah. And I remember like going to one, like we went to multiple and like the woman was just like it was like decorated in Christmas trees, like the Christmas trees were decorated with cotton, like some mm. things are just messed up and like we went to like one where they still had cotton like on the field mm. and some people were really like yeah like let me pick it up and some were like absolutely not like i'm not touching that cotton like that <coughs> like it was and then like eerie things like i'd go to the supermarket and everybody working there was black like everyone like from the people at the register to the people sweeping to like the people Everyone was black, and every there, everybody there that was a customer was white. Hmm. I've never seen anything like it. Like here, you go to stopping shop or whatever. Like you know, the workers are like white and black. Mm -hmm. It was just different, but like you could feel it. Like, and I think like that's when I was like, oh, like this is America. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, like going to all the museums and like the best museums. I'll give you my top three. Are the one the one in Memphis, uh, mm -hmm. Tennessee. That's like in the Lorraine Hotel. Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm okay was like murdered, and the one in Birmingham, mm -hmm. and then I think the one in DC was yeah. Like those are my top three, but like they take you like straight from the beginning of slavery, and like all the way back to like modern times. Yeah, and like they include like issues like beyond like race, just about like even like like LGBTQ community and what it is to be black. Yeah, you know, and and I think like. It just touches on so many things that people don't know about, and like that's Black American culture. I think that's interesting because we—I don't know if you were on that trip to Tennessee. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. So we went on a choir trip <laughs> in Tennessee, and we were on the bus. I don't know if you remember this. We were in the back of the bus singing Negro spirituals. I think we were singing Wade in the Water. Yeah, we were and close. We were so bad. We were we were in high school. We were singing Wade in the Water in the oh back God. of the bus. And our choir teacher is a black American. Yeah. Whoa, this is crazy realizing all these things. Right? And she was a black American. And she was she was getting, you know. Y'all better stop singing that in the back of the bus. Blah, blah, blah. And then she ends up, she ends up pulling up to a slave plantation, right? Yeah. And she's telling all of us to get off the bus. The second we get off the bus, we get a little eerie feeling. Like, all of us are like, oh, this is, why are we on a slave plantation? Why are, you, why are you taking us here? And we're walking through, and we had a white guy too. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first things that I remember is we were outside. My friend Tara, she's light-skinned. And she was like, oh, my God, it's so hot. Oh, my God, it's so hot outside. I'm sweating. <laughs> Y'all know me. I'm quick with the comebacks. So I was like, shut up, Tara. You would have been in the house anyways. <laughs> and so we're all laughing and cracking jokes. And then at one point, it stopped being funny. Right? Dude. We're walking through the slave plantations. And, like, I think Django Unchained came out around the same time. So, like, there was a box. And there was a box that they put people in. And I think they threw hot water on them. Or they, like, left them in that box for a long time. Yeah. But we turned. And we all saw that box. And everything just went boom. And now we're walking through the slave plantation, and our friend John said something, and people just started getting tight. John's white, 
Mm-hmm. It was almost like, John, you have no reason to say anything on this trip, especially while we're here. You can't say nothing. You Shut know what up, I mean? John. Everybody was tight. <laughs> Everybody was tight at John. And John, John didn't even say nothing. <laughs> I'm gonna be I'm honest. John, John didn't say nothing of like disrespect. I think John was really just talking. But like we were also like on he edge. Really was. We were all on edge, and we just, shut up, John. It would be a John, yeah, yeah, am I right? Beginning of the tour, no one's paying attention to the guide. Yeah. yeah. And by that time, we're all like, all right, cool. Like, let's let the guy do its thing. Yeah. <laughs> and John's just having a conversation, but because, yeah, that's wow. Yeah, we just wow. we were just. We were, we were on edge that entire time. And even walking <laughs> through, like, we were, we had our, like, disrespectful comments in the beginning, especially, like, with Tara and the light skin yeah, joke yeah. and stuff like that. But we really, like, got inside and we just didn't stop. It was just like, ah, oh, but some slaves made this. This is just, oh, y'all gonna keep this shit up? Like, we were so bad. But we were, we literally got angry. Yeah. While we were there, and by the time we get back on the bus, I'm pretty sure Miss Mosby had said, like, oh, y'all don't want to sing no more? Yeah. And that was our, like, oh, she just, she checked us. Yeah. Like, oh, you real life checked us. Yeah. You took us on a slave plantation, got back on the bus, and said, oh, yeah, that was so funny, right? Y'all want to be in the back of the bus? We were spread out. We were quiet. We were sitting down, like, <laughs> in our bag, Jen. Like, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. But I think Damn. that... That is a real moment that I think we will all carry with the rest of our lives yeah. about genuinely I didn't recall any of that till you just brought it up. Oh really? Yeah. That's crazy. But you get the feeling back, right? Yeah, everything comes back yeah. now because what I don't remember anything except being tight. Like yeah. I was there and I was mad. I'm like, bro, I don't wanna be here anymore. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, what is this doing for me? I'm saying you were tired. That's right. You were tired. I don't even think you started to say anything after a while. You just stopped talking. Um, You weren't listening to the guy. You were just. I literally was just like, alright, bro. Like, if everybody's walking further, far enough ahead of me, like I can like duck off and do my own thing. But it was just like, yeah, man. It was a lot of frustration, and a lot of it was, um, it's like the duality between like. Some people are here for education, and some people, excuse me, so in some degree, everybody's there to honor, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, what are people honoring, which was frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was like, damn, like, this is wild. Plus, y'all are hiring, like, white people to tell that. Yeah. Uh, that it's was frustrating. Like, that once I saw that, I was really, really checked out. Like, I was like, all right, bro, like, yeah. you're not going to tell me that. I'll walk around and I'll read. Even though I know it's more than likely written by a white person, I'd rather right. hear it in my voice in my head than like hear you. it from yours. Yeah. It just hits different. <clears throat> it really just like like pisses you off. Like yeah. you're just upset and you can't do much like at the moment. Right. Besides just like be there and like Deal take it. it in. Yeah. But you, you're just mad. Like, you're just mad. Like, you're just like, this is fucked up. And you guys are making money off of this. Yo, you're mad money. Because people pay money, like, to come Travel here. from Boston. To Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, to see a plantation. Plantation. I was, like, blanking on the word. But, yeah, like, the plantations. like Yeah. So, so that was, like, that was real. 
you walked through what is it called in Ghana where like the no return the gate of no return yeah so it's called the yeah the door of no return or the gate of no return mm-hmm. door of no return the concept of that is this... that you go through it you don't come back yes but it was the African slaves going through it or the African people going through it mm-hmm. to become slaves yeah. onto the ships. Yeah, so. and then it's like you you never return. What was that experience like for you? You know, walking in through the... I'll tell you this. So first they took us to like the, like the, the chambers, like mm-hmm. where they separated like the males and the females. And... Both were rough to go into, but the male one, like, I don't know, I don't know what was in there, but, like, you walk in, and the guide is talking and telling you all this, and I felt, like, the chills, like, run up, like, to my neck, like, Mm. I don't think I've ever felt that, and we're not talking about, because it's chilly, like, we're talking about Ghana, that African heat is crazy, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, like, it was, like, something there, like, and, you know, they're, like, like, you have, like, this black man tell you about how, like, his, like, probably, like, ancestors might have been, like, living, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, uh, and that's rough. So by the time that you make your way to the door or the gate of no return by the end of the tour, it's like you open up and it's like this beautiful sea. Mm. And you kind of feel like guilty for it being like so beautiful. So beautiful. Mm. You feel guilty for the whole castle being so beautiful. And like there was one where like, the guy was telling us, like, they had a church, like, right on top of the chambers. Like, there was, so while these people are dying, like, you have people, like, at church. Wow. Like, at church. Like, at these castles that look over the, the beach, and there's, like, blue. And so you go through that gate, and that's, like, all you see. And you see, when I went, like, you see kids playing and like all this noise and vendors and stuff like that like imagine like going through that and like like that's your death so to tie in the whole year return thing they have like um like like in the main language like a quaba which Mm -hmm. means like welcome like right next to the door so it's kind of like a you have returned like the message behind it where you know 400 years later like looking back and how just Ghana was like at the coast and mm. all those slave ships were taken away like how much people have probably history ties that go back to the country mm-hmm. and like now it's like you're welcome back like yeah. come back and explore the country the message is beautiful and if we're talking like economy wise like it's a beautiful marketing strategy, mm-hmm. right? Right. In order to, like, just create revenue for the country. When I asked people there, like, oh, what do you think of the year of return? And I asked, like, professionals, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you know, just, like, I was staying with a host family. Like, I would ask my host family, mm-hmm. people I was working with. It's just, like, the year of return is great, but were we ready for it? Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, oh, explain you know like what do you mean and it's just like should have we done a better job at preparing like uh our streets or 
like the tourist attractions mm-hmm. or creating events that really like show people and teach people about like why coming here for the year return is important. I was like, that's crazy. Not being from here, I would have never thought about that. Like right. I would have never thought about how are you ready to receive people you know what i'm saying like that's only something that like if you're from there Mm -hmm. like you can say and observe um and that sort of like changed my my look at it but i think i think it's just i think it's just the openness of people there yeah and their willingness to just like like take you in because they embraced like the whole like year of return model was like really nice yeah like sister (laughs) sister return sister Oh, yeah, like it was like that. That's so. sweet. I love the idea and concept behind the year of return. Yeah. I think it was very beautiful, and I think the timing was right. Mm-hmm. Like, it may have not been right in Ghana, mm-hmm. but here in America, I think the timing was right. In the Trump era, after seeing Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, like people were hyped, and... I forget the last words that Killmonger had said in Black Panther, but that... Um, bury me. I'd rather be buried... Throw me in the sea with my ancestors and rather than be buried here. Something along the lines of that. Yeah. Some wild gen where you're just like... Aah! Yeah, you, you feel it, though. And I think, especially in the conversations I've had with a number of black Americans, it was, it was that. It was, where are we supposed to go back in Africa and Ghana opening their doors up for people to come in, I think is was is very beautiful yeah um and i think people like people are like oh but it wasn't just ghana and it's like no it wasn't but it's like it's the history there you know and it's like when you go to those castles and like you hear about like the number of like people that were taken and and just that history is so like like intense Mm mm-hmm doesn't mean it didn't happen anywhere else, but mm-hmm. you're sort of, like, taking the time, like, a country who took the time to recognize it yeah. and, like, just, like, push it out there. And it's a come, see, if you want to stay, do so, but at least explore, like, our country, like, a country where you may have, like, a tie to type of thing. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. I don't know how to put it in words. Me either. Yeah, like that's the that's the feeling you get. Yeah. There's there's no words you can really put in it. Cause I for so long have been trying to like, tell my friends like, hey, y'all should go back to Africa. Y'all should see what Africa's about. Like right. you guys don't understand right. what I'm feeling because you've never been there. Mm-hmm. But there's a feeling you get when you're there. There's, and you feel that in different spaces where you know your home. Right. Right. So being able to hear you be able to experience that was yeah. like a, you go Jen <laughs> you do that yeah you ride around and get any girlfriend <laughs> so do you feel uh, there was a certain part of your identity that was affirmed or challenged during that experience yeah I think when people like still <clears throat> asked me like where I was from there people who knew that I was like a like a tour, I guess a tourist, quote mm-hmm. unquote tourist, because um, I wasn't really there on vacation. But I would still say the Dominican Republic. They don't know where that is, but I would still <laughs> say it because part of me still feels like, like 
that's my culture, right? And, like, yeah. I don't ever want to deny it. But also, just because I don't look like, like, I guess, the the typical Dominican that people, like, associate that look with, I never want to be the one to um, over, like, try to overprove myself. Like, yeah. like I'm never going to be the one who's like, okay, let me only listen to Spanish music when I'm around people because I need people to know. Mm-hmm. Or, like, let me speak Spanish. Or, like, let me, like throw in like the Spanish words like I know mm-hmm. what I am like like yeah, I yeah. know and like if you want to believe me or if you want to like challenge that like that sounds like a you problem but like I know like I go home and I'm like bendicio mommy and I'm like fighting with my dad about like whatever and I'm like talking to my sister and this and I'm like talking to my family back home saying oh, and it's just like they all say the same thing and it's like when are you gonna go back so you know what I'm saying like I don't really need people to like I don't want to ever like try to overproof my identity so I think like when I was there I felt like I didn't need to right and like it it just came so naturally like organically like I was just there and I was like taken taken in I wasn't asked like these stupid questions like do you speak Spanish like blah 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 (laughs) like it was just like, but you're still black. Like, that's what they would say. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, like, that's cool. You, yeah, Dominican. But you're still one of our sisters. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it was like that. So. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The main thing about traveling, it's like, you you have to, like, you have to stand your ground with, like, who you are. Because it's not your space anymore. Right. So, it's real. You're real. Um, when I went to Haiti 2011 uh, um, it was weird because I felt at home and an outsider at the same time Mm -hmm. and I was like yo cool like this is where I'm supposed to be it's lit Um, but I understood (laughs) <laughs> that people understood I wasn't from there. Yeah. Um, so there was that type of like, ah, this is weird. Like that weird like mental dichotomy, um, which made me affirm like, cool, like I'm really Haitian American. Like yeah. as much as I like, I similar pe- people in similar situations myself can cap and be like, oh, but like I'm not X Y Z. This isn't this. It's like nah, like. Going to Haiti made me realize how much of myself that I am and like how ingrained in um, American culture that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just like owning that as you did um, and like being able to go into any space and just like, all right, cool. Like, um, I was on a trip in Atlanta and I was around all foundational black Americans, right? Um, and it's like, yeah, like we all black people here. Uh, but there are stark differences, yep. right? Like, um, so yeah, understanding those differences mm-hmm. um, and standing in them, where it's like, oh, cool, like you're different, cool, like we are able to relish in our differences. Right. I say all that to say um, that a wise man named, very much so paraphrasing, a wise man named Cornell West has said, there is no unifying black culture like black is it like if you black that's it Mm -hmm. right but understanding where you are and standing in that 
um, would benefit you more, or excuse me, understanding where you are in, in your own culture um, and dealing with the problems in that culture would benefit more than let's throw all of our problems in a pot and let's all work on them together, right? That's right. spreading everyone too thin. Um, but understand that like, all right, cool. Like this is my community, right? My community is where I live right now. It's also black people. It's also Haitian people. It's very, very specifically Haitian people in America, mm-hmm. in the Northeast, yeah. in where I live. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then uh, dealing with those problems, right? <clears throat> because we're black, a lot of our problems are the same. Yeah. So uh, it's understanding that, but taking it in bite-sized pieces with people you have um, a lot of similarity with. Um, so he didn't say all that, right? <laughs> <laughs> what he said was a very much so, very much so paraphrasing is there's no, um, excuse me, unifying black like identity outside of like blackness. That's it. Yeah. Um, and like that made me like just that was the starting point for the thought that I just relayed. Question I'd pose to you guys, um, very briefly, um, what does black mean to you today? What does black mean to me today? Black means to me today. Like black, what is, what is black? What does black mean? Um, how do you see blackness? Like, that's like one conversation. Like, but today, um, as it's not monolithic, like it's... Where I'm at currently... When I think of blackness, I think of connection. Mm. And that just goes into the work that I'm doing, things that I'm doing, the things that I'm seeing differently. Mm. Another Cornell West. <laughs> Come on. Throw in there. He, he has taught me about paideia, which is Greek for essentially a deep education, right? We want a deep education, not a cheap education. Mm. And I've been working to dive in deeper into understanding blackness and in going in so deep i'm just understanding that we are all connected in various ways that even though we're not paying attention to them all the time they're there Mm. and it's in the smallest things like foods it's in the music we listen Mm. to there's there's a connection in it and once you follow the path or follow the all the guiding star in this, you find it. So for me, black today is connection. Heard you. Okay. For me, black, blackness today is rediscovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like if you're lost or confused, like I think it's, it's that time to dive in because like that part. the resources are there and like the time is here. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, even if you think you know, there's always something to learn um, yeah. about like what it means and like who you are in that sense. So I think like blackness for me is about like rediscovering. In the in the wise words of Aubrey Graham. No, so. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> it's all right. Put her in there. Put her in there. <laughs> know yourself. Know your work. <laughs> Take it away. What about uh, you, CJ? Yeah. <laughs> um, she, you know you pose a question you don't like think it's going to come back. Yeah. That's one of those. So your um, return. <laughs> <laughs> that was a solid one. I'm not going to hold it. Thank you. That was solid. <laughs> um, 
black will, is power to me. Like, it's very synonymous. That's what it is right now. Um, that's what it's been as well. It's uh, synonymous with God as it's a very connected... Um, it, it's the connecting being, right? Like, black, yeah. the color, black being ether. Uh, black, that's what you look up when you see in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's carbon, melon, right? Like, all of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And ultimately, your black is beautiful. You know? Your black is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your My black is beautiful. <laughs> oh, We're a corny bunch, but I love it. <laughs> uh-huh. This was a great conversation. Appreciate y'all. I appreciate you guys, you guys so much. I appreciate this space. Yeah. Um, it's 2020. I don't know what your plans are, but make sure you guys are, are really doing what you want to do. Doing yeah, what man. you need to do. Getting yourself in the position and the places you want to be. And learning through the process. Because every day is a lesson. <laughs> and it's what you make of it. So, like we say every week. And we're going to keep saying every week. Because we at season two, baby. Whoa. Each one, reach one, teach one. Let's keep this going on. This episode is sponsored by Mountain Movers U.S., moving you to a new beginning.